Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Benny. Um, and to- today is a very interesting episode. Sure was. Uh, we did ha- originally have a guest booked um, and they had to cancel and me and Benny were here. So we thought, why not crack open some tall boys, turn the lights down low yeah, and just shoot the shit for an hour yeah. and a half. I'd like to illustrate as much as I can for people the generally seductive nature of this room and kind of the whole environment we harvested for this thing, right? It's true, yes. Like, if someone just walked into this room right now, they would question if what we were doing had a sexual connotation to it. It's pretty sexy in here. Yeah. I got to admit, it's very dark. It's a lot of booze. Yeah. I've got this creepy mustache we both have pretty we both have mustaches mustaches um benny's hair is super long yeah i just watched a documentary yesterday too about bears yeah yeah i just yeah i did an interview with bob mold and we were talking about that a lot that's like his scene and from the sounds of it and i didn't know this was a thing i would be considered an otter really yeah Mm -hmm. there's cubs right there's there's otters there's all these subdivisions it's really interesting i had this it really I guess this is going to come out soon. Well, who cares? Um, I interviewed Bob Mould, um, obviously, Who's Good Sugar, and uh, he has an amazing autobiography. I think it's called Shine a Little Light. And uh, he was very conflicted about being gay because he came up sort of in the 80s and like in a time where it just like wasn't cool, especially in punk rock, mm-hmm. where um, it just wasn't a thing that was super accepted. And he didn't really... Come, he was like an alcoholic because of all the stuff, whatever. And then he finally came out and discovered bear culture and he was like this is amazing like there's a scene where like young like guys are into older hairy guys and i'm like an older guy with a beard and i'm like the fetished like ideal like i'm like the cindy crawford for these guys right and then i i was like yeah that would be like me finding out like there's a whole scene of women that are into like neurotic skinny jewish guys where they're like that's all i want and you're like what, really the woody allen crowd yeah bob bob actually did not think that joke was super funny he didn't well he was super nice but yeah i don't think it uh it's probably a much more serious thing to him since he was <laughs> struggling as a gay man his whole sexual identity kinda, yeah he didn't like my joke about it i don't yeah. know what his problem was no he was great he's awesome um incredible guy but yeah you're probably right anyways uh so if you like that taste of me and Benny's combo, you're going to love the next 90 minutes of your life because we talk about politics. We talk about personal issues. We talk about sports. Existentialism, We talk of about course. existentialism. We talk about Donald Trump. Get a little Trumpy. We talk about um, bat flipping. Yeah. We talk about Iggy Azalea. Swaggy P. We talk about Swaggy P. I mean, so many topics We talk just about Springsteen. On. We yeah. talk about... Uh, what else was there? What else was there? It's quite a few things. We talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, and and I would say that I I do think you'd be suited to get to about the forty five minute point and on because I feel like the real meaty stuff started yeah. coming once the second tall boy was popped. I agree. Yeah, we could make this a two part episode, but we're not gonna. No, because you got to listen to it all in context. I'd say, but you can. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, we should do this again. If you like this episode, let us know. Yeah. Maybe say, hey, you should do more podcasts, just you and Benny, or say, you guys definitely need a guest. Oh, my God. And you know what we could call it? What's that? Mustache ride. Oh, man. No? No, I like it. (laughs) 
Who wants a mustache ride? I do. I do. <sighs> that could be the theme song. I'm just saying, we could definitely get some dudes. I can play some good funk drums. I'll get my man Risky Jesus on the bass, and we will make a song called Mustache Ride. It'll be a super funky, Teddy Pendergrass, Isaac Hayes, sexy kind of song about giving mustache rides. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. It'll All right. If you want to well, hear thanks that, for listening to Mustache Ride. Thanks for listening to Mustache Ride. If you want to hear more episodes, uh, you can tweet at me or Benny. Um, drop us a line on the internet. I don't know. If you, didn't, if you figured out how to download a podcast, you know how the internet works. Uh, so without any further ado, here is uh, this episode of Going Off Track, number 200-something, a.k.a. Mustache Ride with Jonah Bear and Benny Horowitz. Sounds nice. Wait, still don't. It's hard to like hold Goodness. it. Goodness. Yeah. All right. Okay. One, two, three. Ah. Hi, and welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah, joined here by I'm Benny Horowitz. A- Hello there. Frequent guest host, drummer for Gaslight Anthem and Bottom Feeder. And our guest today had to bail, so we thought, since it's April Fool's Day, we would drink some beers and... Have a sort of different vibe for today's going off track where we crack a couple of tall boys. <laughs> we got some Budweiser's and we thought we would sort of interview each other. Yeah. Um, because no one else is here. But also exactly. because we have such interesting conversations. I mean, if if we only could have went to Jimmy's diner and seen what we were discussing over vegan no, not vegan, vegetarian sausage, biscuits and gravy. Yes. Um <sighs> What could have been captured is now lost in the ether. It's true. It's true. But, I mean, this could be even what we start on. You're a guy who, like, is kind of into, I don't know, different kinds of Eastern thought at times. Sure. And do you feel, say, a positive conversation between two friends at a diner where you have a good feeling, you learn, you engage... And you emit a decent, you know, I don't know, what do you call it? Something that comes out of you when that happens. The thing that sort of affects the world around you. Do you believe in something like that? That one positive conversation can relate good energy to something else? Um, it's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, like, like, like it works like prayer or something? Well, my only example is this. So I have a good friend named Neil who was raised by Hindu parents and still relates a lot of his life in that way. He he teaches religion. He's a very smart guy. And at one point in a conversation with him, I was talking to him about the life I've chosen to play music. And at the time, I was thinking about it in a way that I'm like, this is a... This is a, a selfish life. This is self-serving. This is something where I'm trying to get better at something. My motivation is more people, the validation of others. And I was like, this is not something that's like doing anything positive anymore. And I was having that feeling at the time. It felt like a very self-serving task and that I wasn't doing anything good for the world, which bothers me. 
Like you're saying, like as opposed to like being the Peace Corps or something. Or yeah, like, even 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 less so than being a fucking public school teacher. Right. You right, know what I right. mean? Like at least you're, you know, trying to impart something on other people. When like, do I think like rock and roll drumming is the thing I should be imparting on the world? Like, I don't know. Or maybe it's just my avenue to get to where I want to be or something. Who the yeah. fuck knows? It's like a bigger question. But I was asking this question and Neil is under the distinct impression that what you do and when you harvest a good environment and like you go to a show and there's good live music played with positive energy and there's uh, a reaction in the crowd that creates positive energy amongst these people. He believes that something emanates from that room, that what you're doing is good for the world because it's emanating something positive and it's putting a good energy into things. And it's actually the ripple effect of it. You could never really quantify, but it's there. And he sincerely believes that. So in the same way, I would assume our conversation at Jimmy's diner, if positive and with good feeling and a nurturing conversation amongst friends. Sure could produce the same result yeah maybe i mean i think yeah i think it's all probably relative i think there's probably something to that but i also feel like i've had those moments where i'm like i'm writing about like whatever like like matchbox romance or some matchbox like some band that like who cares and uh like what am i this is what i'm doing with my life i've been writing with for this band for the last 15 years not them specifically but uh whenever i want to like brag on a band i always use them as an example i don't know why i have nothing against those guys hmm. but uh well you almost did two at once though yeah because i almost heard a matchbox 20 and a matchbook romance kind of combination i guess it was so at least you a, hit two a matchbox mashup <laughs> uh but uh yeah i've had those thoughts i'm like uh you know like what is this putting out in the world blah 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 and then i'm sort of like eh, this is what i do right like what like i just kind of shrug and kind of move on to the next thing yeah yeah, yeah, but it, maybe that's just sort of you know avoiding, avoiding the question. Or well, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how far could you bring that feeling? You know, you could bring that feeling all the way to like, you know, okay, I'm going to put myself through school and I'm going to be a doctor without border, right. or I'm going to like, you know, commit myself to this cause for the rest of my life in the spirit of, you know, humanity or good service, and you know. Sometimes I think like, what has a bigger impact on the world, right? If I was to join the Peace Corps, I went to a country where I may or may not be welcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? In right, all right, honesty, right, like right. who the hell knows? Um, and I try my best and I do it in the context of this other thing. Or I stay home. I'm happy with my life. I work hard. I do something that makes me happy. I create a family and I keep them as happy as I can. And you produce a bunch of good natured people who will actually contribute positively to the world after you're gone and things like that. Right. What actually makes like a bigger impact on the world? Like totally. I think, I think it's um, like, I think ultimately it's sort of about intent. Like I feel like just cause you're like, have maybe been like altruistic profession, like you're a doctor or a lawyer or something doesn't mean like, you're on the right side of things or you're doing positive work. I feel like it's more like what, no matter what you do, sort of where you're coming from, like what your intention is, I guess, Mm -hmm. more than like what your occupation is. 
So you think that could work in the same context with music then? Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, I'm sure if you're like, I mean, I think there's like a level, like you would know, like we grew up listening to the punk, like there's definitely like if you're not used to that and you walk in and you see a bunch of people like hitting each other and jumping off stage, <laughs> right. you're going to think this is not seem like positive energy. This seems like <laughs> right, a bunch right. of like sexually repressed dudes. <laughs> Hitting both each true. Other. I mean, yeah, both yes. true. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but also, I mean, I feel like, you know, like that's also like rooted in intended, you know, in positivity and stuff. And I think that's like a, a release and that's cathartic for people. So I think that, the you know, there's good stuff that comes out of it. But I also think if you're playing in like some like anti-Semite like skinhead band, like, and you're encouraging that, like probably, I don't know, that's also like a community of people that are coming together, but it's not right. really an altruistic kind of cause. But I mean, maybe, it, I, I don't know. That's kind To of, each other, it could be. Yeah. Maybe they're raising money for the one skinhead who has cancer. Yeah, maybe. And they're like, we're putting on this show and emitting this good energy so fucking Leonard can have cancer treatment. Yeah. Leonard was my go-to. Nazi name? Like KKK. More KKK, <laughs> KKK than like yeah. Nazi. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, I should have went with one of the double names, you know? Like, like Haley Joe. Heinz. No, no, I feel like What's every this German thing. I feel like every one of these damn shootings lately is one of these characters with two first names. Really? Yeah. Like Billy Bob and like Right. Yeah, like that kind of thing. John Wayne. Right. Stuff it's, like that. And I never knew anyone with two names. Yeah, I guess I didn't really Well, John Claude Van Damme. Well, you know him? I don't know him, but you know, he's a big influence. If Give me a hypothetical here. Okay. Say Jean-Claude Van Damme walked into this room right now. Okay. And not like some version of himself from like Bloodsport. Like like he comes like right now as a, what, 50, 60-something-year-old man. Walks into the room and just sits down on the couch. No explanation. Crosses his legs and just starts looking at us. Like, do you automatically have the instinct to just make him a part of the interview? Oh, or are you going to like ask questions like, why are you here? Oh, no, absolutely. I would just like grab this microphone and put it in his face. Okay. And that being said, what do you think is like your go-to like avenue to talk about Jean-Claude? Well, I think, did you see that movie he did where like he was playing himself? Heard about it. I think they maybe are making another one, but it like, it's so cool. Like it's, it's. Because he's like sort of making fun of himself, but like he isn't. It's actually like cool action scenes. And to me, it was like those guys all seem to take themselves so like guys like Steven Seagal. Like I like them, but like they take themselves so seriously. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that he was like, I get it, sort of like this. You know, like this thing is a little bit of a weird dated cultural thing, but like still kind of fun. And that made me think. Watching that, I was like, this guy actually seems pretty cool. Okay, so I feel like we could talk about that, like. You know, like, how you look back on those times, what it's like for you now, like, your identity. Like, I'd also love to know, like, what he does outside of Yeah, I mean, sure. like, what's his day-to-day life like? Yeah, what if he has some, like, really odd hobbies at home that you would, like, never expect? Like, uh, like I build tiny ships and put them in bottles. Totally. I do it all day after I exercise. Or what if he raised... Like little big cats or something. Yeah, like I could one see of those that. weird things. I Ma- could see him raising animals. Yeah, I could see that too. Maybe yeah. he's a Gaslight fan. Who knows? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You never know. What country of origin is Jean-Claude Van Damme from? Is he French? I don't know. Or like, I feel like maybe he's from like a s- small European country. It might be like Swiss, I want to say. Yeah. 
or Prague or something? Prague's a city. Oh, it is? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it happens. The country around it has changed a few times. So right, right. Give you a pass on Yeah, geography is not my uh, specialty, believe it or not. What is your specialty? Like, uh... Puns? Puns, uh... Music knowledge about very obscure bands. Uh-huh. Um... You're way, you're funny. Yeah, I can be funny. My sister is very like up on like nineties like sitcoms. Like oh. that's kind of her thing. Okay. Um with her favorite being well, like Full House, like that vibe. That even went to the eighties, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. I think she's more like TGIF, like the whole like like Family Matters, step by step, dinosaurs. Yeah. That's like kind of her sweet spot. Love it. Yeah. What about you? <sighs> Jersey Hardcore? I know a lot about it, but only, like, a certain era of it. So you'd have to, like, pinpoint me to, like, the early 90s to probably the mid-2000s of when I actually knew a lot. Like when Lifetime played the melody? Exactly. Yeah. Those are, you know, I didn't even realize until recently that what a fucking, like, dinosaur I am in terms of, like, I've turned into that guy I used to watch in, like, documentaries who talks about the way, like, shit was. Yeah. And it's fucking weird. Like, I don't know when that happened. Um, but I'm happy it's happened. I do have a lot to fucking say about that. You know what made me feel the oldest? And this is like a very weird, weird realization was when like Fallon and Colbert and all those guys took over all those late shows and took over from like Letterman and Leno. And like uh, that always seemed like these way older guys I couldn't relate to. And sure. now I'm like, oh, these guys are like guys I sort of grew up with right. who like I get all the references. Like I was like, now I feel old because I know who these guys are. And sure. they don't seem that old. Yeah, like you, like somebody who is, say like, you know, 15, 20 years older than us watched like them replace Carson, right? Right. Like some young comedian who was really hot like came in and replaced carson and replaced that and then we got to see the other one right it is interesting and then the next one's gonna be like some kid oh it's gonna be like justin bieber yeah yeah and like, you're gonna be reform like, you... justin bieber in like 15 years is yeah like i mean a... if that medium even still like it's a thing like the late night talk show i mean who knows it seems still popular no i mean i think it is i just i guess i it's just not my thing i guess so it, yeah it's like but maybe it is i don't know i have that with sports you know, I'm a big sports fan, and I've watched a lot of guys now go from people I followed in college to pro sports to watching them retire to being coaches in that current pro sport. Right. And that's pretty much like half the coaches in like the NBA and Major League Baseball now are guys like I was a fan of in the 80s and 90s. And that's an odd thing to watch. Yeah, or like know? their kids are pro now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most of their kids. Like, it's a very interesting thing. So this could be a good segue into what we were talking about before. Yes. Um, so before we started, before we started drinking. Oh, uh, yeah. We're half a tall boy in. I we're feel like we should, we should note this. Yes. Uh, I don't know a lot about sports, admittedly, but I'm sort of you know, trying to learn more. And Benny was filling me in on the controversy of bat flipping funny because you got a baseball mustache these days (laughs) you do you have like like i could see you pitching for like a double a team down in like south carolina you're kind of like the old crash davis character with like choose a lot of tobacco that that's the exact look i'm going for so i'm glad probably racist little racist (laughs) 
not like not like overly racist, but like you get to know him and you're like, oh, this guy's like a little racist. Maybe like drinks cough medicine to fall asleep every night. <laughs> and at this point, I'm I'm gonna say you're like a lefty relief pitcher, and you probably have like no cartilage left in like your like shoulder and stuff like that. You might be on some harder stuff than cough medicine at this point. Gotcha. I'm thinking like you. I mean, depending on where you are, if you're like playing in Florida, you definitely got some pill mill to like oh, yeah, give yeah, you yeah. tons of Percocets or something like That's that. That's true. Yeah, you might like drool at night at this point. But all of this being said <laughs> with your baseball mustache, yeah, we're talking about bat flipping. So, yeah, bat which, flipping. So which, could you explain what that is to people who don't know, like like me 10 minutes ago? Sure. I mean, essentially what I was explaining to Jonah and anyone who's a baseball fan would know, anyone who's not. You know, there's this unwritten code of ethics in baseball. It's not written in the guidebooks. It's not It's not something that the umpires can do. But the old school method is you hit a home run. You do not stare at the pitcher. That's showing him up. You do not sit there and watch your ball go over the fence. That's showing him up. And you do not flip your bat. That's showing him up. You put it down, you hand it to the bat boy, and you basically act like nothing happened. When you say flip the bat, do you mean like like a drumstick, like flip it and catch it, or you just like flip it and throw it somewhere? Here's where another cool element comes into play, and one of the reasons why I, even though I'm an old baseball fan, somebody from, and I've been following baseball since 86, and I love baseball, and I love some of these unwritten rules, the fact that it's such a historically guided game and there are these kinds of things. But at the same token, I don't understand the idea that you're not allowed to celebrate an accomplishment at all. And it's just, I mean, be- between me, you, and whoever's listening, it's just fucking boring. And baseball's having a hard time these days keeping up with millennials, with like this new generation who's used to a little more action and a little more movement and something. And, you know, everybody talks shit about steroids in baseball, but the last time everyone cared about baseball was when two guys fucked up on steroids were going after each other for the home run record. Right. And everyone tuned in. People who didn't even watch baseball tuned in because they were like, wow, this is crazy. This is entertainment. This is sport. So you watch video of uh, the Korean baseball league. Bat flipping is a thing. And the best bat flippers get a claim for it, like where they have like very specific and cool bat flips that they do after. And they're like a little like, you know, I know I'm, I always forget I'm on radio, but can you narrate to people what I'm doing? Benny right now? sort of like, looks like he's having a seizure, sort of, but, but I'm dancing, flipping something in the air. But flipping something in the air. It's kind of like how Elaine Boozler danced, is what's happening. Yeah, right it's, now. it's nice. <laughs> but, um, So that's what's going on in baseball. So there's this big divide between like the old purists who feel that a guy flips a bat. The next time you're up to bat, you should take a baseball to the body. You should get hit. And it's up to your pitcher on your team to honor the game, honor your team by hitting this player. The only thing that is a a big issue with this is like there are 100 mile an hour fastballs and it's, it's a hard ball. Right. Anytime you take one, it's a problem. Like you could be hurt. And anytime you intentionally go after another team's player, the other team is going to retaliate usually on that other team's best player. So all of a sudden a guy who had nothing to do with the scrum in question 
is getting hit by a 100-mile-an-hour fastball because his teammates decided to go after somebody else. And I think there's a divide inside of baseball locker rooms. Right now, it came up because one of the most popular young players in the game is named Bryce Harper. He plays for the Washington Nationals. He was like a cover of Sports Illustrated when he was like a senior in high school. He was like really highly touted. And he had come out publicly recently saying that the game needs more excitement. It's too slow. Bat flipping is cool. Show some emotion. He has a lot of support on one side and he's getting bashed by a lot of people on one side. So where do you come down on it? I am pro bat flipping. Uh, f- uh, that's your official stance. Officially. Okay. And, and I'm putting like, this isn't like lying in the sand. This is like spray paint on cement. I'm like, you know what? There's a bunch of things people got to remember about this. And I'm as big of a sports fan as there is, but we're watching a game. We're watching entertainment. Something that, yes, you should hold dear. I know it's got these geographical ties and family ties and things that like make sports more important than they probably should be, but they are. And it's a big cultural thing, you know? But at the same time, have you ever like seen anything through the course of history where like the reason to keep doing something is that because it's just the way it's always been? I don't think so. And if you thought about the world like that politically and everything, like the world would be in a horrible standstill that where where nothing happened. You know what I mean? And I think you got to adapt everything you do in the same way where like, you know what, if people want to have more fun now, the world's a different place and people want to see something more exciting. You know what? You're getting paid like $20 million a year to win and entertain people. Then do it. Right. I think that makes sense. I guess here's my question. This is a little bit different subjects, but still sports related. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like I get high schools or college sports like wanting to root for like guys who you go to school with. Major league sports, I don't get it. Like I don't get why people have pride in a team when it's just a bunch of guys from different places who just come and go and in and out. Like what's the, it's like the logo's the same, I guess. It's a fair question, and it's something that's really fascinating about sports. Like, like if everyone was from the same town, I get it. Sure. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you got this odd mix and, and this like amazing sense of ownership over these teams and over these players. It's really bizarre in a lot of ways. And the older I get, the less attached I am to any one team. I grew up a New York Giants fan. Like... I went to New York Giants games from when I was six years old on. We bought tickets from a family friend. We always did that. I'm always going to be a Giants fan because my father was a Giants fan. My brother's a Giants fan. We went to games together. We grew up going to these games. So this logo and this team and the times they won and things like that give me these like great feelings. It feels like family. It feels like history. It feels like tradition. You know, and I think that's where a lot of it comes from is this like um, some sense of camaraderie people feel between each other and with the place you're from, like via a sports team. But that being said, the older I get and kind of the way sports is now where it is a lot more of a business than it used to be. I mean, these guys are getting paid like inordinate amounts of money you know a a very average baseball player can easily make like six eight ten million dollars a year like the the tenth best guy in a baseball team is making like eight million dollars a year wow which is insane you know 
But because of that, I realized that these guys are part businessmen. They go out to eat with each other after the games. They don't feel this kind of like thing for those teams like the fans do. Right. They're hired. They're hired guns. And then when you see the way these organizations are run and how many times since I've been a sports fan, I've seen a team leave a city, you know, and because they had a better offer somewhere else, because there's more money somewhere else, because of this and that. Like, wearing a Yankee shirt is like wearing a fucking Merrill Lynch t-shirt, if you really think about it, you know? So, it's, it is like a ridiculous thing, and and I go back and forth with it, because, you know, I'm such a big fan, and I follow it so closely, but at the same time, I don't want to know a goddamn thing about these guys' personal lives. I don't want to, like, get into a fight with somebody else about who's winning and who's better and things like that. Right. I just... I want to enjoy it. I want to watch a game that I think is like, I, I'm a net season ticket holder. Oh, I know. Which means about 50 to 60 games out of the season, I watch them lose almost every year. We watched them lose together. Of course. And the Bulls, yeah. And we had fun. It was Did super fun. Super so, fun. It was that, really fun. That's the point. I, you know, like, I'll go see the Nets lose if there's some good basketball being played, if the guy in the other team put on a little bit of a show. I got my quesadilla from Calexico and had some conversations with my friend, and that's the reason I go, you know? No, that makes sense. Uh, I should point out that I am actually wearing a Maryland shirt right now. Oh, yeah, you are. Because I was just, yeah. What happened there? Are you doing speaking engagements? Um, They're sponsoring me. To what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to mention them on the podcast. Oh, that's it? So, yeah, if you guys have any, I don't, what do they do, like something with finances? Merrill Lynch? Yeah. I, is this Brokerage House? Yeah, Brokerage you, Yeah, they're the best. Yeah. The best, best in the biz. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to change gears a little bit. Bring it on. Because this reminded me of something Brad has talked to me a lot. Yeah. Off the record, Brad is horrified by the new airport etiquette. What I mean by that is <sighs> okay. Brad's, Brad's a little older. Yeah. He looks great. 40s, though. 40s, 40s. Yeah. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know by looking at I him. wouldn't know, actually. No. I thought he was one of us. Yeah. But uh, we were talking the other day, and uh, he remembers a time when you would sort of get dressed up. Not dressed up, but you would dress uh. nice for the airport. Like, you know, like you're going to a nice dinner. Like, not like wearing like a suit necessarily, right, right, but like, right, right. you clean up. It's kind of a special thing. And he's like, dude, now I go, and everyone's wearing like sweatpants. And then he's like, it's, I, get, like I get like the airlines treat you like shit. The TSA is a joke. But... um. But yeah, he, he was sort of like missing that. It's sort of similar to baseball. It's just like everyone just is like a s- s- slob now, basically. Yeah. Well, does he have kids? Yeah. So that's where I'm like, I'm like, this sounds good in theory, like getting dressed up for the airport. But like you travel as part of work all the time. I right. do too. Like, I can't imagine I, I, of all the things you have to go through to get on a fucking airplane. To, like, get my kids, like, dressed up and to, like, shave and to, like, make myself look good when, like, the context of what I'm looking good in, I think you'd even stick out like a sore thumb if you even did that these days, wouldn't you? Well, I, I, I like, what I sort of was saying was, like, I think it's just symptomatic of, like, the airlines basically just trying to, like, rip you off in every way. Yeah. Like, the TSA just, like, like you know, like, detaining you for having shampoo. Like, I feel like you have to put up with so much shit now that you yeah. have to put up with. 
some of it warranted, most of it isn't. And yeah. I think because of that, everyone was just like, yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. I think is totally, like, you know. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, most of the guys I travel with go onto airplanes looking like they're going to the gym or something. Right. Sandals, shorts, like anything to just be comfortable on the flight itself. Do you think that if like the airlines weren't charging you for all your bags, I mean like security stuff aside, I'm just saying like quality of life, Mm -hmm. like if they weren't jamming you into these seats, like do you think if they treated people better, people would feel more special or do you think it's more of just like a culture, like a, these are the times, this is a comfort thing. It's less stuffy. I think they would treat people better, but something I'm considering now as we're talking about it is i got to assume that part of what brad is talking about i mean from what i can gather flying was not a particularly easy thing to do for anyone who was like middle class or less for a long time right like for a working class family in the 50s to get on a flight to go to france I don't think was nearly as much of a possibility as it is now. And, you know, sometimes I hear when people say stuff like that, you're right. It is exactly the same context as, as the baseball thing, because sometimes, and it's, it's almost relates into what's happening with fucking Donald Trump and stuff like that. People are nostalgic for a thing and I'm not sure they know why they're nostalgic for it. Like, do I want to be part of a group of people who dress up to fly because I'm part of this elite class of people who's allowed to fly? And because of it, my dress matches my attitude. It matches my status. It matches all these things. All these other people can't fly. This is a high class affair. Is that better than the fact that like normal families every once in a while can get on a plane and go somewhere? You know, totally. In fact, like, you know, there's always this ancillary to what people say. And I do. And what I was telling to you before about the bat flipping thing, there's a huge disconnection between the old white guy theory in baseball and the modern one with the new Latin American players who make up like, you know, well over 25 percent of the league. Right. And these guys are much more. I mean, they're quicker to show emotion, you know? They're more passionate. They just show it. And they're not bred with this, you know, super, like, rigid kind of thing. And, like, when something like that wants to be injected into something, I'm I'm a fan, man. Because I see, you know, people talk about the old ways. Like, oh, Babe Ruth was the greatest player ever to play. Babe Ruth never played against a black athlete. Right. His whole fucking career. Right. Do I want, am I really sentimental for that fucking time? Am I sentimental for the time where Ty Cobb was like, like the most racist piece of shit drunk who like, like, and he's in the hall of fame, but some guy who took human growth hormone to hit five more home runs isn't right. Well, I, like, I think the ultimate argument should be <laughs> if you get John Goodman to play in your biopic, <laughs> you are not the best athlete in any sport. <laughs> That should just be a rule against the board. And I love John Goodman. Oh, yeah. but Fine actor. But I don't see him stealing a lot of bases. No. Wow. That's true. Um, what I was... <laughs> well, it's interesting, like, because like, what you're saying reminds me, like, I was talking to my friend the other night, um, and he was like, you know, I remember growing up, like, me and my sister talked about, like, shitting a lot to each other. And he's like, <laughs> I remember I was, like, at my friend's house, and, and he was like, 
dude, you and your sister talk about shitting so much. It's weird. And he was like, why is it weird? I do feel like, like shitting, like sex, all this stuff. Like it's like the, we have to have this like weird affectation where we like, we pretend it's like bad or it doesn't happen. Yeah. Or like, I think it's a similar thing where it's like, yeah, like big deal. Who cares? Right. Like everyone experiences this. All Everyone's the, the same. Like, like what's the big deal? What, you know what I mean? Like it just, where, and where did that come from? Yeah. Is it edit like like what? And this is where I have to wonder on a larger scale, right? If the system that's been set up for us before we got here is correct anymore, you know, like you're right. Everyone shits. Everyone wipes their asshole. Everybody farts. You know, I often think when I fart about a group of Native Americans like 600 years ago sitting around a fire and one of them farts, they're cracking up laughing for no reason, even 600 years ago. Sure. Right? Like, farts have been universally funny through the course of time. And why now, like, do you fart and you need to be like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. I'm very sorry that I just did that in your company. (laughs) It's very uncivilized. What is this etiquette? Is it because, like, the people who came to our country are like escaped like religious British freaks basically like that's where the start came from and now we're not allowed to like talk about farting and I can't pick my nose in public and I can't say shit on TV and stuff like that is it all carried down from that that I don't know well see I've never I know you've been to Australia yes I've never been there but I imagine that is sort of being like a polar opposite just because it was basically like a bunch of like prisoners and stuff shipped off there essentially right well, yeah, I mean, that was what it was. Right. But I'm, yeah, I'm saying like the way we were like British defectors or whatever, that's kind of what they were. So I imagine down there, maybe they're like way more loose about everything. Or, uh, I don't know. I've never been there. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't say that at all, actually. Australia, to its discredit, is maybe one of the most racist places I've ever been. Like just the general temperament about the world and racism and Australia's isolationism towards it can be pretty alarming, actually. Really? Because I yeah. always, I feel like they travel so much. Like, I always meet them. And they always are like, hey, what's up? Well, you know. no, it's a big place. Yeah, And I think true. the thing to remember in Australia is that, like, literally one-seventh of the population, something like that, is in Sydney. Right. The entire, and it's, four, it's like over 3,000 miles wide, you know? So you have kind of this like lip on the bottom of Australia, like sort of this like hook where everyone lives on the bottom. And then there's just so much of Australia after that. And you, I haven't experienced much of like, not just the outback, but even like rural Australia. Because you're just playing huge festivals. Just huge. <laughs> just lighten it up. <laughs> I mean, we played, you know, we played that sound wave thing in australia that traveling festival which is like a giant shit show i mean it's but it's pretty cool it's high class and you travel basically you're traveling with all the other bands sort of yeah yeah Were yeah there any cool bands you got to like sit next to or something well i remember thinking like you know i'm not the happiest flyer i still like am a little like afraid to fly but if there's one thing i've always been into with flying with gaslight it was like all right like I might die. I'm on an airplane. Happens. You know what I mean? Like once the doors close, out of your power, you might die. You might not. And I've always been like, you know what? If I die, 
leaving for a tour with my whole band, I'm like, something happens to our band afterwards that's kind of cool. You know, we're immortalized, you know, you can fucking pay off my mom's foreclosure, do some shit like that when I'm dead because we'll be like way more famous now. Sure. And I was like, all right, so that's like a silver lining to my band dying in a plane crash. Is that like you're immortalized as the band who died in the plane crash? You sell more records and people know who you are. And I remember being on a flight on that Soundwave tour where on the way in the flight, I walked by Rob Zombie and his whole group, uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, you know, the Lettos, very famous, of course, of course. very famous people, um, very beautiful man. And someone else, too, that I was like, you know, much more just an impressive. It was maybe Slash or something because he was on that tour. Okay. And I'm sitting in the back of the plane like, oh, shit. I'm like, if this one goes down, I'm a fucking afterthought. Like, not only am I already a drummer, <laughs> I'm the drummer in like the eighth biggest band on this plane. Like, like I'm barely, I'm not even getting a plaque. I'm getting like a name on somebody else's plaque for this one, you know? Yeah. So that was the only time I wasn't, I wasn't pleased. And then, uh, who was it? Um, the guy from, uh, the bass player from Polar Bear Club caught Jared Leto doing yoga at the airport and took a picture and tried to sell it to TMZ. No way. Which they did not purchase. But he tried. Five grand he asked for it. Too much? Uh, I just actually read an article and the New Yorker did a big um, profile on that that guy who started it, that Harvey, uh, you know, that older guy. He's like a lawyer. He used to do the People's Court interviews and now he's like, he started TMZ. Okay. He's is, on the TV show. He's like the older guy yes, in the TV yes. show who's like, what yes. do you got? Yes. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it talks sort of about how it came together, how like it grew out. It was actually a really interesting story and they talked about how much they pay and sort of what they take and what they won't. Five grand for a photo of Jared Leto doing yoga does sound above market rate. A little excessive. Just from this one article I've read. I would say you could probably get 500 to Hmm. $1,000. I I just don't think it's that, like, it's not that controversial. Because most people look at it and be like, oh, Jared Leto's doing yoga. Like, big deal. Yeah. Right. Well, that leads into, had you, we can can stay on this topic of sports and social matters. Have you heard about the issue with uh, the Los Angeles Laker who is engaged to Iggy Azalea? I have not. So D'Angelo Russell is a uh, very highly touted rookie for the Los Angeles Lakers. He's Kobe Bryant's retiring this year. He's supposed to kind of take over so he's LA. Super young. He's like 19 when he was drafted. He's 20 now. He's a okay. kid. Yeah. Um, it's his first year been up and down it's been a little rocky to start lakers are terrible it's kobe's like retirement year so he's going to every stadium and people are kissing his ass and it's, you know but he's supposed to take over the torch after this year gotcha he is teammates with a guy named nick young aka swaggy p is what he calls himself and nick young is like super celebrity he like is into the whole thing he plays in la and he's engaged to iggy azalea okay i guess off the record, I'm doing quote marks. Uh, D'Angelo Russell was interviewing Swaggy P, like fake interviewing him as a joke in the locker room, asking about his extra engagement affairs with different women. And he recorded video of it. Somehow, months later, this video surfaced. 
So D'Angelo Russell's the GOAT because he blew up Swaggy P's spot. Iggy Azalea now knows he's, you know, fucking around. I guess there's a lot of enemies and a lot of things have happened on social media since. No one seems to be angry at Nick Young for being a scumbag and fucking around on his engagement. Everyone's kind of mad at this kid, D'Angelo Russell, for breaking his teammate's trust and putting it out there. And this is like the current thing going on. Really? Yeah. So it's a pretty big, like, cross-cultural story between sports and entertainment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Somehow Nicki Minaj is involved, because I guess she has a beef with Iggy Azalea. Right. Iggy Azalea is like a fake-ass rapper. Apparently Nicki Minaj is legit. And, and so I think Nikki jumped all over this. She's like, fuck you, girl, or something. Right. And got into it. Yeah. So that's been going on. Interesting. I didn't hear about that. What I did, I watched a little bit of a Warriors game the other night. You did? With my friend Dan. Yeah. Uh, I was staying at his house in LA and we were watching this game and he was telling me, uh, Stephen Curry, yeah. who I watched just because they played the Cavs in the finals or whatever. Right. But uh, he was saying it's actually become a real problem for the guys who make those like NBA video games because they try to make all the players like like the players are in real life. And they were like his shooting percentage from far away is so high that it's actually like unfair to have um, him in the game because he just like makes just so many shots. Like, like yeah, they're court. like they have to actually make him worse in the games because otherwise it just like throws the whole logarithm why, off. But why would they make it worse in the game? Because it's, it's throwing actual teams and coaches off in real life. Like, it's like fucking everybody up. Is it? Oh, yeah. Like, really? this guy is like completely changing the way things are in that game because of the way he plays. It's pretty fascinating to watch. Like, it, there hasn't been a game changing guy like that in a, in a really long time. I mean, maybe since LeBron. You know, yeah. Somebody like that, Kobe. Yeah. Is it similar to like the bat flip? Was isn't there like you're not allowed to like hang on the rim or something? Well, that's actually illegal. That's illegal. The only time you're allowed to hang on the rim is if like there's a person under you somewhere that you're trying to avoid. Okay. But you're if you like hang on the rim and like really go nuts in the end of basketball, they'll they'll call that like a technical foul. But they have a different thing to deal with in basketball because there's been some really scary fights in basketball games. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, and I don't know if you've heard about the malice in the palace, but in, like, the late, I think, like, I don't even remember, mid-2000s somewhere. I guess that would be 2050. How do you say mid-2000s, like, 2005? The aughts? Is that really how you say it? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. The what? The aughts. It's, like, 90s, and then the aughts are, like, the... 2000 to 2010. Is that supposed to represent like zero zero? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I didn't make it up, but yeah, that, that's it. Wow. Hmm. Well, I guess that's the way I say it. I've actually never said it out loud, and <laughs> saying it out loud makes me feel like a real asshole. <laughs> so this is probably the only time I'm ever going to say it, but I just know the terminology. Are you going to implement it into your normal vernacular now, or just keep <laughs> uh, it out? This band was so much better in the aughts. <laughs> oh. Saw these guys. Oh. In the, I just saw it at the drive-in the other night. Yeah, uh, so much better in the at aughts. the Fonda. They were good, but it wasn't the aughts. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this malice in the palace. We're like ought the drive-in. <laughs> okay, malice in the palace. <laughs> there, well, there's a player named Ron Artest. He's actually a local guy, New York guy, who played for St. John's. Never been in trouble off the court at all. Like he doesn't have any of these weird things attached to him. But he's fucking nuts on the court. Like when he's on there, and he's. 
has problems with people. He's very physical. He's gotten into a lot of altercations. He's having a game. He was playing for Indiana Pacers at the time, and they went into Detroit to play a game. So you're saying this is 05? Yeah, around then. Maybe later, like 07, 08, like somewhere around then. Side so, note, just for Benny, can you stop like swiveling around? Because I'm worried that you're going to get oh, far, far away from sorry. the mic and it's going to go in and out. Okay, okay. I'm all hyped up. I know, I know. Do you need another beer? You take the bird out of the cage. He just, <laughs> he just goes wild. So the malice in the palace. So Ron Artest was having a problem with other players. He was in a fight with this guy, Ben Wallace, giant afro, cool dude. And Ron Artest in a show of, I don't know, what was he doing? He was trying to be coercive, I guess. Not okay. coercive, subversive he was trying to be. And he laid down on like the scores table. And out of nowhere from the crowd comes a beer, hits him in his chest. Ron Artest loses his shit and runs into the crowd. Before you know it, like, I mean, there's like five players fighting like 10 fans, fighting each other, just fucking, I mean, an absolute melee. And uh, it was like hard to watch because someone, I mean, you forget sometimes because all of these guys are giants, right? how gigantic they are. But when Ron Artest, who's probably about 6'7", 6'8", 240, 250 pounds, absolutely jacked, is going after some schlub with a fucking beer in the stands, (laughs) you're like, this does not end well. You know, if this doesn't stop quickly, this is... So I feel like basketball, since like literally you have $1,000 tickets about three feet away from the players, there's no pads, there's nothing like that, like... I feel like stuff like that is way more like regulated in basketball. Yeah. Because the alternative is is super dangerous. Dude, I don't I hate doing the self-promotional stuff. It's the uh, worst. I know. Doesn't it suck? It's the worst. I don't like I'm yeah. dealing with that right now. I'm having a really hard time with it. Really? Yeah, cuz you know, it was really nice for me for a long time being in this thing that was promoted for me. Right. Right. Like, I never had to say shit about Gaslight. I got to, like, sit there and be Mr. Cool, humble dude all these years because, like, people were saying all this awesome stuff. Like, I didn't have to do shit. And now I'm, like, home. And I'm, like, fuck, like, all these drummers, like, post videos of them, like, playing. And then they, like, shout out their sponsors and they, like, do this stuff. And they're, like, building their brand and they're, like, doing this shit. And I'm, like, fuck, like... I do not want to do that, like, at all. But am I supposed to? Am I doing myself a disservice by not? It's a horrible thing having to promote yourself again. Yeah, I just tend to just not do it. I know, and I'm kind of the same way. Like, the people are like, oh, you've done 200 podcasts? Like, what? why don't you, like... And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, if you... I'd l- I'll, like, post a tweet about it. If, like, people want to check it out, cool. But I'm not going to, like, be done. I'd rather use that energy to, like record something or write something or like actually make something that just like talk about the shit I've already made. Right. Like people want to find stuff, they'll find it. You know, sort of, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's just not, it's just not what I, it's not why, why I started doing stuff. I go back and forth with this, right? Cause I think, I think your quality of work, what you're bringing to the world, how you're doing it, how you're presenting yourself, during this i think those are like the most important things to any kind of art writing music painting like i don't give a fuck like any kind like that should be 
the organic, natural way to do things. Should we do this together? Oh, yeah. Okay. One. Two, oh, wait. Go. Two, three. Okay. That was in stereo, I think. Bud Talls, baby. Yeah. But I do think, sadly, and especially these days with the state of everything, is that the person who rests their laurels on their body of work is often left to die in obscurity. And that the person who does half as much work and creation and half as much promotion and self-aggrandizing is going to be not only more well-known, but more well-recognized as an artist for what they do. Even like deemed more legitimate as an artist because of their efforts to get big. And like, it's an odd thing it makes me think of it. I, I just heard about, um, you know, I hate to bring him up because everyone brings him up, but Donald Trump. And, you know, they're finding that there's no real tie socioeconomically to what people are Trump supporters. It's kind of an odd thing. They're poor people. They're rich people. They're educated people, non-educated people. They're not finding like a huge margin one way that like this type of person loves Donald Trump. The thing they're finding in polling is that the tie that's binding these people is a fondness and a um, almost a searching for an authoritative personality. Like it's about the fact that he's authoritarian that's attracting these people. It's not what he's saying. It's not where he's from. It's the fact that he's projecting it the way he does. He gives off this air that he is authoritarian, he can get things done, and that's what people are attracted to. And in the same token, when I was a kid, I was 15 years old, playing in bands, booking hardcore shows, doing the flyers, going to four shows a week, promoting these shows, like doing everything I could to be like a functional part of my scene, like a good functional part of my scene, like getting things done. But the kid who took an hour every morning to give him fucking Liberty Spikes is the kid who got the girl. He's the kid who got credit for being punk rock. He's the one who fucking skanked around the show that I promoted, but was deemed the punk. He was deemed the subversive guy. And cause I had a normal bald head, wore a Yankees cap, wore my Russell athletic t-shirts and didn't really play that game because I'm the same as you. I hate doing it. I feel like a fucking asshole. It's the same way I was bad at picking up girls. I feel like a fucking asshole doing it. I feel like See, I can't relate to that part. I've oh, just I know. always you're, been killing it. I mean, it. you're just fucking <laughs> you're basically Ryan Gosling with a racist baseball mustache at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's something that's that I've always struggled with because like even in your experience, can you think of like a band that you knew that was so good? That would have been so much better if one of the guys in the bands knew how to hustle. Sure. Tons, right? Tons. Then there's all these bands, great bands, talented people who had so much to give that were lost to obscurity because they focused on art. They focused on music. They focused on each other, probably. You know what I mean? They focused on a a family thing, like all these things to grow it slow and organically and never got noticed because of it. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also feel like... I totally agree with everything you're saying, but I also feel like these days, like it seems to me that people that are always like 
promoting stuff and like just so relentless about it are the people that like sort of have the less the like the least to offer mm. like i feel like it's just hammering you over the head with something and you're like if you like it just seems like a waste of time to me like right. I, I think maybe a little bit's good but i feel like when people flip that and that's like all they do it's like cool you made this video mm. and you're sending out spending like three months talking about how you made this video like big deal do something else right what it else sounds you like what else you're do reaching. you have yeah right well, maybe these days, because the fact that you get to cut out the middleman and you can kind of talk directly to the user base, like the people who would like, you know, I think you used to have to go through so many channels. Like every label I used to sign to when I was younger asked for a one sheet. They needed a bio. Yeah, that's like, you know, I'm sure like you've written 40 percent of what I yeah, do. You've I write bios bios. all the time. Yeah. And since I can I think I did a gaslight bio. Oh, yeah, you did yeah. once. Yeah. Thanks, bud. No problem. Yeah. You paid me for it, so thank you. No worries. Don't even remember. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I could buy you lunch. <laughs> After taxes, you might you might have bought me a bagel. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, um, but yeah, like, I remember getting those as a band, and I would have to, like, sit there and write about my own band in a way that, like, was... And I, like, rem- I found one the other day from my old band, The Low End Theory, one that I wrote. And I remember the time it was. It was like when the Low End Theory broke up once, we got a new singer, we were trying really hard, and I made this flyer of upcoming shows and links to a couple websites of ours that I handed out at another show. And I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, wow, like this was pretty fucking pathetic. Like I was like, this is so obviously reaching that it looks, it doesn't look great. You know, and then, but at the same time, I don't know if that instinct in me to keep hustling is what got me to where I am or if it was just going to happen anyway. And like, I, I don't really know what the balance is exactly. Yeah. And and how to be, you know, after all these years of being in this game, I think I know how to like tastefully do a couple things where you don't look like an asshole and it seems diplomatic, but I never feel good about it, you know? Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I feel like my thing is like, usually I just try to find people that are good at that. Right. And be like, hey, can you help me with this? Like, Let's talk about that. Sure. Actually, I'm fairly horrified with the fact that I cannot see an old person who is in entertainment age gracefully anymore. Like maybe 20% of them. But I feel like constantly these days... I'll be walking by the room where, like, my wife is watching, like, E or some shit. And I'll look at the TV and I'm like, is that Meg Ryan? And she'll be like, yeah. I'm like, ew, what happened? I'm like, I feel like Meg Ryan is a perfect example of a woman who would have aged really gracefully and, like, really well, you know? And instead, I'm looking at this bizarre, tucked up, kind of Botoxed version of, of her and I really don't like it. Yeah, I. it's funny. I was seeing an author speak. I can't remember who it was, but one of his books was made into a movie. And he was talking about how hard it was for him to cast it because so many actresses have like Botox. Yeah. And he's like, it makes it hard to, for them to make facial expressions. Right. He's like, so as an actress, I had to find someone that didn't because I want, like, I want them to look surprised. Right. I want their forehead to crinkle up. Like, I yeah. don't want them to look like... Some weird mannequin. Or that permanent Joker smile. That I think get. it's one of those things where it's like a couple things. I think, A, it's like there's so much pressure on women 
to sort of be attractive, just societal, whatever. And I think when you invest a lot in that and it starts to go away, inevitably you want to sort of try to do everything you can to sort of salvage that. Sure. I also think it's ultimately like, I don't know. I think people are just like scared of dying. And I think you look in the mirror and it's like a reminder of your mortality. So it's like, if you do this, if you do this, maybe you don't have to think about it. But I think it's something like, I don't have any tattoos, but I think it's something similar. Like people get a couple tattoos and then they're like, I like this. And then they have whatever, a sleeve. And then they have this. I think it's the same thing. I think you just start out doing small stuff and then mm. it escalates. And then I, I don't think anyone sits down and plans that out. I think it just sort of like, it just goes from this to this. That Once you get into something, you can't stop. Little injection here, a little exactly. injection there. And then before you know it, you're looking like an acid burn victim. Or yeah. I mean, crazy. the thing that is, the, yeah, the weird one for me is like those like big lips, like those super like... <laughs> No. It's really, yeah, it's really creepy. But I don't know. I mean, like. And it doesn't match. You know, that's where I'm always confused is like, I'm into a proportionate woman. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm not necessarily a tit man. I like a super skinny woman to have breasts that look like it's part of her body or vice versa. You know what I mean? I, I like these types of things on a woman. And when you see a really wafy looking woman with certain features who has these like obviously over enlarged breasts and lips, you literally look like a cartoon character. Like you don't match. You know right. what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, you have white girl ass. You're just going to die like that. It's the way it is. I've had these fucking mud flaps on the side of my stomach since I was a little kid. I can't do anything about it. They're just here and they're always going to be here. And I can't tell you in certain fits of looking at myself in the mirror, I've gone, hmm, I wonder if you could suck out the fat from the side of my stomach and put it into my calves, right. which I don't have any, right? you know? But actually, this, this kind of sounds like a good idea now that I said it again. What do you think? Um, I think, uh, I mean, I, I will say like the flip side of that is like, <laughs> this is like one of my other pet views is like, Oh my god, this gets me. I, I want you. We're like a tall boy and a half in, and if there's a time to just cut in, it's now, Jonah. I want okay. you to cut loose on okay. this. Okay, this is here's here's what I'm going with this. All right, girls um, on the internet, Instagram, whatever. When they're like, uh, "This is me without makeup," it's like, I feel like it's. I think it's like maybe started with good intentions, but now I feel like it's like, this is me without makeup. And it's like, I want compliments saying I look good without makeup. And then it's all these guys trying to get laid. They're like, you look better without makeup. Mm. Like, and it's all, and it's like, I don't know, maybe some people do, maybe some people don't. I don't know. I'm not good at even telling when people are wearing makeup or have fake tics, whatever. Like I just sort of take things at face value unless it's like very obvious. But yeah, to me, this, it's this whole thing of like, I'm insecure about this, so I'm going to post this thing. And then guys are just, and it's like, it, all of it's just like this so cliched and fake. And it's just like, it's like, I wish you guys would both just like shut up. Like, what's the <laughs> point? That's what I had to say. I like it. I didn't know this was a thing, actually. It's a thing, for sure. Well, you know, I've been with the same woman for like seven years. So nowadays, a lot of the modern things that people would do in like like take for instance once gaslight got big and i had a girlfriend i never checked my myspace page again right that was just 
I'm going to sit here and be honest. That was the reason I was on that site. Sure. To talk to girls and promote my band. Right. And when I didn't need those two things, it went away. I had no interest in it. So I'm often confused on these things. Like some guy asked my wife to Netflix and chill a few months back. We both didn't know what it meant because we're so (laughs) old. And we looked it up and found out about two days later. I didn't know people actually said that. Yeah. I thought it was just, okay. Yeah. It was a white guy with dreads who had just done like 80 something months in jail. So, I mean, not the biggest surprise, but, but this thing, so. He probably just learned about Netflix. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. He just got it for half an hour a day in the clink. It's like I got this new DVD from Netflix, <laughs> gave him this red envelope. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's okay. <laughs> but, so I ask, now I understand what you're saying because it did, it's turned into something trite. It's turned into this thing. I mean. Most of these sites, especially when it comes to selfies, are based on insecurity, right? And the fact that you're looking for validation for certain things. Yes. Now, sometimes I like to think of like the what if in this. And I find Instagram and things like that so horribly superficial. You know, the way people present themselves and the way they present themselves as brands and how certain women can't feel good about themselves unless they take a shot of their cleavage. Certain men can't feel good about themselves unless they're tucking an arm to make it look big or showing their abs or like something like that. And when I hear about something like that, that there's, and bear in mind, this is the first time I'm hearing about the non makeup selfie movement. Right. And by the way, I really do want to clarify, like I'm not saying women need makeup to look good. No, I'm just saying again, like what I was saying about, we're talking about her, like I'm saying about intent that it started as something legitimate and has turned into just another thing where people are reaching. Yeah. Totally understand your point. The thing I wonder though, is like, what's worse? Instagram and those things remaining as they were horribly superficial places where only these things are presented or even if men are just trying to fuck women by telling them they look better natural, they're still telling them that. And there's an aspect of them that might start believing it. And there's an aspect of it that kind of maybe changes culture that brings a cultural shift to another way. Like the era of Instagram being overdone, big tits, big makeup, fuck me kind of culture is maybe gone too far and reeling itself back into something else that's a little maybe but i do think that like what i'm talking about is is sort of the exception to the rule like i have a i was talking to someone and they had like a younger sibling or something Mm -hmm. and they were like check this out and it was like i was like okay and they're like my like sister looks like fake doesn't she like her skin looked like almost like glowy weird i was like yeah i guess a little i don't know and she's like, it's this filter all these oh, kids use yeah. that basically like they take a photo and then they like press a button and it like makes, you know, and she's like, so I feel like that's probably more what people are doing. Like mm. maybe this is like the rebellion, whatever, like the discord of selfies right. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think, I think it's more moving in a direction probably of like illusion and superficiality, which it's like, it's just going to, with technology gets better, it's just going to get crazier. Yeah. Maybe Discord isn't the best. Uh, <laughs> no, I like it. I totally understand your point. No, but it's true. It's almost like how the uh, how the um, like the bad uh, mutants and X Men form their own group eventually. Exactly. You know, like there's always going to be a counter to the counter 
Like there has to be. That's just human nature, right? Sure. It's one of the reasons I don't believe in conspiracy theories. Cause some asshole is gonna turn every time. Right? Uh now that I, I believe in this sort of fickle and wavering nature of humanity, the fact that like I have a hard time believing if you take a group of 20 people with the same information that all 20 of them stay consistently on the same page until they all die. That doesn't seem plausible to me in most instances. I agree. I, I think on large scale conspiracy theories, um, yeah, like all the, all the world trade center ones, like especially like the more, wild ones where they're like they planned this out to happen 50 years later they built it in a way like to me it's like there's no way that's true like there's no way you could get all these engineers and like hundreds of people and nothing ever leaked but i think on like smaller scale things or things that are harder to verify like i think the moon landing happened sure but if it was on some soundstage in burbank i wouldn't i don't know and maybe not that many people were there like that's still a big one, I guess, but I think I don't know. Yeah. Like some and some of like the the smaller ones, like I don't know if it's just a couple people, maybe. If it's right. a large scale thing. I also think it's putting an insane amount of giving an insane amount of credit to our government. Exactly. It doesn't really seem like they can do a lot right. Yeah. And assuming that like they can like pull something off perfectly and let have it yeah. So that's my that's another big one. Yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I think I think more often than not, I think there's a lot of instances of like, oh, I shot this person almost to death and then pretended to save him. Sure. Or like some weird, I do feel like the best sociopaths in the world died with no one knowing they're a sociopath, right? Sure. Because there has to be sociopaths walking amongst us who are successful. They don't all get caught. Right. So I do think... A lot of the times when people go missing, when weird things happen like that, there is an explanation and somebody probably did it. But the really crazy fucks who are walking the earth are not looking for attention. They're not looking for validation. They're on some other trip. So I do think, especially that's one of the reasons I'm so averse to mainstream history is because, and almost we can get into a bigger topic, I'm averse to organized religion because all of these things have gone through human hands too many times where there is no chance that these stories have not been guided by human uh, suffering, by uh, a human being's like feeling to advance over other people, you know, like this feeling that it can all be done in this just and honest cause. I mean, you just have to look around you for a couple days to know that this probably is impossible. Yeah, well, yeah, I think, and it's like the winner is the one that writes the narrative. Right. For sure, but do you think, and what I think is maybe more likely in a lot of the situations is like saying us going to Iraq or whatever, like it's like, we probably thought they had weapons of mass destruction. I don't, I don't believe we didn't, but I feel like a lot of it's like, uh, well, maybe this thing's true. It's not, but we could actually use this to do this. So it's right, not right, like, right. it wasn't like a grand scheme but something kind of pops up and you're like, okay, yeah. like I, this was my goal. Like this thing came up. I can use this. More of like a spin. More of a spin. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe like a rationalization. 100%. I think that's much more feasible. Sure. 
And but I think what's interesting about that is there's usually somebody on one of those sides who's like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Like, how many times has the U.S. just like armed a puppet army somewhere to like totally do something else? But the funny thing about the U.S. these days is we're kind of like doing it with our fingers in the air. We're not trying to be shady anymore. It's just like so obvious. Yeah. That and I think it's getting to that point where um, between the government and the media themselves, they've built this environment where people feel so small that they're just doing it in front of your face now. They're not even trying to be shady. It's like obvious and it's right in front of you. How many times does it have to happen for like people to not notice? I feel like people just don't, not don't care, but I feel like they think they're powerless. And that's like, you I mean, know. And that probably is feeds into what you're saying about like Trump and the authoritarianism. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if you feel powerless, you're like, well, this guy at least seems to like believe what he's saying and know what he's talking about. Maybe he can change the climate or whatever. 100%. And I think it all comes from some odd feeling of desperation. Like, you know, it's something I've gotten into arguments with people a lot about Trump in recent months. And please don't take this for me being pro-Trump. I would love that man to be just like removed from the world altogether. But I think the thing people, especially around here, forget is who we're sharing this place with. You know, I think you can live in Jersey City. You can live in Brooklyn. You can be from the places we're from, from the people they're from, our parents and our situations and the things we're in, where I don't think... I think liberals and especially like the Northeast liberal attitude is in a bubble about what's actually happening in their own country. And he's tapping into something that's very real and very tangible. And people are, you're right. It is partially that feeling of helplessness that brought him to that. And, and the odd thing is, is, you know, the more and more I'm learning about, you know, I got to be honest, I didn't know much of anything about Islam and a lot of those countries until the first Gulf War when my country started fighting theirs. You know what I mean? And now I know a lot more than I used to. And every time I hear about like these jihadi movements and the way they're bringing kids in and the way they're bringing people in and the way they're recruiting, it sounds an awful lot like gangs. It sounds an awful lot like the way like the Bloods and Crips and things like that like go after people. Right. You know, they look for groups. For, they're, they're, they're people who need other people. They're people right. who need groups. They're people who need organization, who, who are thriving under any kind of social circumstance that's offered to them. And I think that's almost partially something that's going on for Trump right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I would not pretend to really know much about politics. But I will say that um, I do think, and this is maybe obvious, but uh, like it's so much also with him is like this like reality TV culture oh, yeah. and people that are so into celebrity culture. And I used this analogy the other day. I was talking to someone, you know, I worked at Alternative Press. Right. And when I started there, it was like still primarily like a new metal magazine. Mm. And when I started, we like sort of were transferring over to the Warp Tour thing. This was like 2002. So it'd be like... Dashboard confessional cover. That was like the first real like emo crossover, crossover one. one. And but it was like every other. It's like dashboard coal chamber. Good Charlotte slipknot. Okay. And it was like that. And I remember like you were like, 
oh, when is this new metal shit going to go away? It took forever. Right. Even after everyone thought it wasn't cool, it went on for like another eight years. And now it's crazy because it's actually sort of like coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But it's like, that's sort of how it is for me with like reality TV. Like every year I'm like, oh, this is at the peak of like absurdity. And it's just like, when are people just going to be like, okay, we don't care. And keep pushing it farther. Yeah. I mean, it's outlasted even new metal. I know. It's hard to see it. Like you've seen the film Idiocracy. Yes. You know, that's what, that's what scares me at this point is like, when does it end? Because I just went through this with Trump. I was one of those people six months ago who's like, eh, Trump, whatever. What a douchebag. Right. Someone else, Jeb Bush, he's a Bush. Right. He'll get it. He's going to be in there, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, these guys are dropping out. These polls, this and this. I'm like, you know, like many liberals around the U.S., I think I was like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this is real? This is an actual real thing? It's even hard to believe, isn't it? But then I start to think about it, and I'm like, wait a minute. We hired a country western actor to be the president for eight years yep we hired an austrian born action film star to be the governor of the biggest state who is also a cyborg who is also a cyborg and may still be yeah like like these types of things where i'm like okay what are you holding so dear to your heart right now right right like, this is the place you live like we still live in this bizarre wild west kind of country and it kind of like hits this wall every once in a while where you see it again and i travel enough where i'm like you know what this place is fucking weird and this place is fucked up and the shit that happens here doesn't happen anywhere else and because of that though there's like no model to answer the questions we have right yeah i think it's just like i keep using all these weird music analogies because this is what we got this is what we got i gotta work with what you got what are we gonna do but i do think it's like your days uh your your days at war your your days (laughs) i don't know this is just what we we got nautical uh (laughs) metaphors uh you're on the starboard no uh i would say like it's the same thing with trump it's like i think it's just like a perfect storm like it's like people are disenfranchised people are coming from a democrat shit's weird people just want something different i think it's the same when you like go to one of these like emo nights and there's like <laughs> a thousand people out there to see like someone hit play on like a taking back sunday song and you're like going well shit. it's the perfect storm with that too it's like no one i don't think anyone's gonna care like two years from now or two years ago it's like the people that are like just old enough like 30 to like remember that time that want to relive it and the people that were just young enough to miss to it miss that want right. to see what it was like it's just a perfect storm it's like it's like these people that do these nights like it's cool, whatever. Like, if you're doing it for the right reasons, fun. But if you think this is going to be like some kind of like viable thing that's going to go on forever, no, this is just the best time to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. I did a punk night where I played all fat record stuff. There's never going to be a time for that. <laughs> At the time, no one came. No one wants to go to a bar and listen to like Lagwagon. You don't think so? No. I know so. I did for two and a half years. Yeah, but maybe the throwback is coming. No. I was talking about this too the other day. I was like, can you imagine if someone was like, dude, did you hear like, Joey Cape from Lagwagon's guest DJing at Brooklyn Bowl Punk Night, and there's like a thousand people there. No way, it's, it's never going to happen. I, I, I'm it's glad never this is being recorded because <laughs> who knows? I, I mean, I hope saying. so. They'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, I did this night, yeah. for two and a half years. No one came except guys and girls who obviously were like drag there <laughs> for the most part. I just uh, don't think it's. I don't think. I think it's just a certain cultural thing. It's like. There's that emo stuff as a crossover 
to both genders. Like, it's like, I feel like, but again, like, I don't, yeah, like five years from now, I don't think anyone's going to care. But how do you know if, like, something's not going to, like, randomly break, like, in, in, like, some weird years later? Like, I had heard nobody cared about Queen anymore until Wayne's World came out. Right. And then all of a sudden, everybody's yeah, yeah. Queen I th- fans I think again. maybe, like, songs or certain bands will come back in the fold. But I think as, like, a genre or, the like, scene. a movement or a scene, exactly, I don't think... I think maybe I'll have a resurgence. I guess it's having a resurgence now, sort of. But I don't think it's, like, gonna last forever. Right. I don't think people, like, are gonna give a shit about Mineral in 20 years. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> I wonder. Not that they... Not that they're... I, I mean, maybe I will. I don't know. I like them. But, I mean, I just think... I just... In the big picture, I feel like it seems... I don't know. I just think it's, again, it's like a perfect storm of, like, circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there's no way to know, is there? I mean, there's a part of me that is the real subversive alternative kind of punk rock part of me that sort of loves this Donald Trump thing. I sort of love anything that mixes the pot this much. It's like like the bat flip of politics. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I, I hate this guy, and I think he's dangerous, and I think the people around him are. I literally think like a jihadist grows his wings every time the guy talks. Like it just feels that dangerous to me. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Shit's been stuck in this weird cycle for a long time that I'm almost happy to just do anything that's going to fuck this all up. Yeah. You know, and the closer we come to the whole thing fucking burning down is the closer we come to starting over again. There's a part of me that thinks that. Do you yeah. think there's any truth to like the idea that like even Donald Trump's existence putting a wrench in the fact that it might break up one of the major American political parties, which I thought needed to be done many, many years ago. I think what if Hillary wins the general election while Donald Trump destroys the Republican Party? I just think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun. I I mean like my whole the like the crux of my issue with all of this and I've been actually really trying to work on this but is this whatever this is who I am. Uh is like my level of like cynicism is so high that like I honestly like I don't think it really matters like who's elected president. I think I think we put so much it's like sort of like to a lesser extent like a coach of a team. It's like a lot of it is just how good the players are. And I think the coach has so much more control over the team. Like the president, like all these people has to go through, has to go through the other part, everything has to get approved. I think it's more of a figurehead. People are like, he's like, I'm going to make more jobs. And like, yeah, maybe the economy gets better because of a bunch of circumstance. And everyone's like, oh, good job. Or yeah. everyone, or the jobs go down. They're like, oh, this president sucks. I think it's like sort of a scapegoat. And I think they have, you know, they can make some decisions, but I think ultimately it's like one person isn't like i don't know i think we give them so much credit for everything or so much shit for everything and i think in reality like like obama i voted for him twice and like i he didn't do a lot of stuff he said he was going to do but i think he wanted to i think it's like he just couldn't like the way the system's set sure. up it's so hard to do anything i i do agree with and that's you my concern with sanders i think he means a lot of stuff but i think he's going to get into office right. and he's going to be like handcuffed yeah totally i agree 
So I think that's the issue is like the way the whole system works. But I mean, what do you do about that? I don't know. So that's why I sort of just check out. But I mean, at the same time, you've seen Obama and you saw Bush do it. You saw a lot of people do it after 9-11. He's allowed to go to war without right. Congress right. for X amount of time. Yeah, that's true. So you are giving Donald Trump the finger on the trigger. Yeah, and that I agree. You are doing that. I agree. That part is definitely scary. Yeah. I guess I'm saying more when it comes to like global economics. Sure. Or, you know, I feel like there's just a lot of this stuff. There's so many variables or even if part of it's up to Trump, it's like, I don't know if he can sway the whole thing his way. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. And, you know, I think his, you know, knock... Uh, against the 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 standard Republican Party is that he's not nearly as conservative as he plays off. He's just trying right. to get the nomination. And I actually I do. And think, I'm actually I like him better than fucking Ted Cruz. That mutant. Yeah, I mean that guy. That guy's terrifying. That guy really scares. Yeah, the shit and out I do me. like the fact like I do think that there is such a problem in, in Washington with like lobbyists and stuff. Uh, like I do like the idea of people being like, well, this is my own money. Yeah, like I'm not like. I'm not going to get into office and then have to like be in debt to all these people. 100%. I just heard a statistic recently about what lobbyists used to be and what they are now. And the fact that I, I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it's close to half of lobbyists now are former politicians. I'm sure. And so it's all like these, they're, they, they're like one term congressmen, yep. one term senators or something. Not usually senators, but like one term congressmen who get, you know, they have law and business backgrounds they go to dc they get their feet in the water they meet a bunch of people then they get fucking paid like four years after by some industry to lobby for them you know um so i agree with you i like there's an odd part of it i'm telling you and as what i led this with and the reason i feel guilty for even saying it like i said i want this person to be removed from the world I wish Pete Nelson from Treehouse Masters was our new president. You ever that, seen that show? No. He's this great guy who builds treehouses. Okay. Great vibe. I just love him. And I wish <laughs> he was president. That guy would make great decisions. Sure. He would. He'd be the best. But he's not going to be president because he's a guy who builds treehouses. But I do, like, I have this thing in me that's like, I fucking hate the way the system is right now so much. I really do. I hate what we've been doing. I'm embarrassed sometimes to call myself American, especially when I travel and I see all these things that we're responsible for and all these things. And I, and I feel terrible and I'm almost desperately dying for this massive shakeup. And as much as I hate this guy, I like the fact that everyone's talking about politics that everyone's talking about this, that Trump Clinton would be such a fucking like, it's like, it's bigger than the world series. You know what I mean? Like these media outlets are going to present this in a way that it's like this big, like boom, ding, 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 weighing in at fucking 140 pounds, right, Hillary, right. you know, and it's going to be this type of thing. But like we were just saying before, this is what it takes to engage people now. And if that's what it takes to engage people in politics, do you have to make it like professional wrestling and then they will engage themselves? Like, when do you stop doing things the way they've always been done just because it's the way they've always been done? And when do you submit to a new time, to a new era, to a new way of doing things? And maybe you have to present Trump and Clinton as fucking professional wrestlers and like singlets with like 
a whole fucking like you know image behind him and a whole team behind him and a hype machine and guys like you know fucking campaign managers beating up women on the way to the stage and shit like that like like how else do you engage the american public now yeah i think that's true i also think that like americans already have like such a negative perception in other countries. Can you imagine if Trump gets elected and you mm. go to Europe and get off the plane? Yeah, I'm American. It's like, ugh. The worst. Like, the, like they, they're going to think everyone's like that. Yeah. But it's also like, dude, it's like, when people are like, this is another thing that drives me crazy. When people are like, Trump gets elected, man, I'm moving to Canada. Yeah. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're so, not. And so presumptuous, too, to be like, I'm an American so I have the liberty to move wherever I'd like in the right, world. Right. Like, where the fuck does that come from? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very... We, um, we literally feel like we own the world to the point that if our country goes bad, we have our fill of any other country very, we'd like to it's go. It's very presumptuous. Very presumptuous. And I would also... But not true. Like, you're going to leave all your <laughs> friends and family exactly. because of a president like right. that you, like, really probably, like, doesn't affect your day-to-day life as much as, like, the weather. Sure. Like, go fuck yourself. And what kind of countryman are you anyway? Yeah. You know, you don't want to <laughs> fight for something you believe in? Like, like, you know, my grandparents were born in Europe. They were born in some fucked up places where if they decided to stay, no, things weren't going well. Right. My dad doesn't go to college for free and become a fucking superintendent of a school district, something like that, which happened. That doesn't happen in a lot of places. I have like, I have like a proper love for America. I do. It's one of the reasons I care so much. I can't tell you how many times I think, and oddly, I think about it often in a warm shower, Jonah. (laughs) I know. <laughs> I know this sounds bad, but oh, no, this sounds amazing. I'm just have... picturing you in the shower. So, all right, what I need you to do right now is to cue up a Teddy Pendergrass song in your head. Hold on, I gotta take a sip right. of this first. Turn off the lights. Okay, let it happen. I got it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in the shower. Is it like when the shower bathtub combos are just straight shower? Uh, shower. Uh, shower bathtub. Okay. Yeah. It's dark in there. I wake up in the morning. I put in my free trade coffee into my grinder. I make a French press. I'm getting going. I feel good. I walk up to the shower. Remember, Teddy Pendergrass in your head, right? Okay. Got it. Got it. And all of a sudden, I turn on the water. It's hot. Magically fucking hot. And it's pouring over my shoulders. And I let it go. And I have this feeling. I'm like, ah. Wow, a hot shower. This feels so good. And I automatically feel guilty for everyone else in the world who doesn't get to wake up in the morning and have a hot shower. I do. I know it's a weird, presumptuous thing, too, to think that everybody wants what I have. But at the same time, I am constantly thinking about the fact that I was born in a place, and not only in a place, in a place inside of a place where I had every ounce of opportunity to do anything I wanted in my life. And did nothing to earn it. Nothing. You just happened to be born there. I just there. happened to fucking be born there. Uh, yeah. And like, how could you take that place who gave that to you, you know, and just be like, fuck you, I'm leaving the second it gets bad. It's like taking every hot shower you had from when you were a kid and saying, fuck you to that hot shower. I don't care about it anyway. 
I never even wanted it in the first place. I'm going somewhere else. It's bullshit, man. Like the fact that people don't know they're fucking lucky to be overprivileged is so goddamn sad. And it makes me so fucking mad. Like the fact that people do not know in these neighborhoods inside of these cities, like how fucking good they have it. Totally. It drives me nuts. Or every time I hear about Obama going to clean energy and never mentioning towns all throughout fucking America where about 8,000 people are about to lose their job and this town is about to go to fucking hell. And these liberal people are like, yeah, clean energy. You know what? Like, get your head out of your ass and realize the world you live in. You live in a world with other people where other people have families and things at stake. And just the fact that you can afford organic coffee and plug in your fucking car at night doesn't mean people aren't feeding their families off of fucking coal for the last four generations. They are. And if you want to shut it down, pony up and give these people another fucking thing to do with their life. But you can't just shut it down. And if you think you're going to be able to do it with no resistance, then you have no idea what the world is even fucking like. And I feel like there's a part of this like modern liberal Northeast sensibility that is not in sync with like what's actually possible. And like I said at the beginning of this conversation, who we actually share this country with. Like you want to ban guns? No, you can't ban guns. I'm sorry. This is America. And there are like 18 generations deep of people who've been going out in their land and hunting. You're not going to take that away from them. It's their tradition. It's their history. And you got to respect it, right? Like, even if you don't like it, you have to respect it. You have to find a way to, like, do this. And that's why I'm with you. Like, that's why I'm scared of Bernie Sanders. Because I don't think he would know how to represent this other side at all. Right. That's why I like, like, slick Billy. Like, I love Bill Clinton. (laughs) You know? He'll get in bed with anyone. Right, right. He'll fuck anyone. To get things going. Yeah. You know? He's like a real person. Like yeah. that's uh, like these politicians and like like newscasters or something, you put on like this weird fake voice and weird cadence and like yeah. these are bit you stand on a podium. Like no one does any of that stuff in real life. It's this weird, like posing mm-hmm. like it's just the whole thing is so just so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um It's and, wild. And I don't know what's going on. I don't follow it. I don't watch the news and probably I should, but I like I don't care. You're better off. I don't know. I don't know who's right anymore. The only problem is like when I get in a debate with someone, like they'll say something and I'll be like, I think there's an argument against that, but I am not informed enough to make it. So I'm just going to be like, eh. Well, if you don't follow it at all, I might. Like, I follow it a little, but I, I might should tell you not to bother getting into debates. Yeah. Conversations, cool. But if someone's like, what's your favorite jawbreaker record? Like, we can talk about that for hours. Yeah. But you have a lot of backing to go behind these things. Right. Your claims are substantiated for yeah. talking about a jawbreaker record. Yeah, there's documentation. I've been published, dude. You have. I forget that. <laughs> you, Jonah, like when I look through my phone, I know you're a very self-deprecating guy sometimes. Yes. But like you are one of the more like famous people I know. Really? I think so. Yeah. Because like, you know, you're in all these magazines you are in the beginning of two Saturday Night Live intros, <laughs> which is, I mean, not only one, two. That is true. Uh, like, every time I check your Instagram, you're at some, like, you're hobnobbing with, like, all these people, <laughs> cool people. And, you know, 
I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like maybe we should make a one sheet for you and really start pushing your brand. No, it's, the Jonah it's, Bayer no, brand. It's, let me tell you something. It's all it's all what, what we were talking about at the beginning of this with the marketing. It's like really most of the time it's like me on my couch with like mustard stains in my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> like you know like and then then once in a while i go to some fancy party or go see some band or something all right but, but jonah let's let's lay something out here okay? okay i'm gonna act as your publicist right now great what you just said not true you're being sarcastic a little yes right you got there's an element of you truth. gotta act as if okay so what we're gonna do from now on is we're gonna i want I think we need to come up with not like a Jonah Bay or alter ego, not like a different name or anything like that. But like, do you ever like read a book or watch a movie, like get into some fiction where you see some guy, you see the way he is and you're like, man, that's the way I'd like to be. Sure. All right. Give me one example of that type of person. Um, like a kind of fictional person that I admire? Or sure. Like- could be fiction, could be like an actor in the way they portray themselves often, you know? Like how George Clooney plays like cool George Clooney in every movie. Right. He's not really playing an act, like a character. He's just being cool George Clooney and everything. Yeah. So it could be cool George Clooney. It could be like, oh, I want to be like Nicholson, one of flew over the cuckoo's nest. Right? I don't know. Like I would say like the ultimate, who's the coolest guy? Like probably like Keith Richards or something. Okay. Pretty cool dude. Yeah. So here's how we start. Like you're a creative guy and you know how to think of stuff. Like instead of saying you're sitting on your couch with mustard stains, A, how easy is it? And B, how much more fun is it? To just come up with a Keith Richards style story for what you're doing all the time. Like people are coming up with their own narratives anyway, right? It's like what Jack White says. You might as well sell all your songs because they're going to steal them anyway. Right. So if that's happening anyway and people are coming to their own conclusions, why don't you just create this fantastic narrative for like your non-writing, non-podcast self? Because when you're exposing yourself to the world, all anyone's seeing is, right, they're seeing your words. Right. They listen to this podcast. They know who you are from that. Right. They know a couple things. We don't know what you're doing at night. We don't know who you're mingling with around this (laughs) wild city. We don't know what kind of hijinks you're getting into. True. All I know is your sister's on a very popular show. That is true. And you have the inn to some really cool places. Sure. You have a show with her. I think like you could really spin this in a very interesting well, way. Especially with that 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 little rapey mustache you have. <laughs> Let me just say one thing. Yeah. I think that you sort of do the same thing. Go on. Cuz I feel like multiple times here like we've brought up like Benny you played with Bruce Springsteen and yeah. you're always like yeah one song whatever. It's like you played in front of like tens of thousands of people with one of the biggest Rockstars in the world, and you were playing drums. Right. Like, and I feel like that kind of stuff is like most people never dream of doing that. Sure. So, what are you saying? I'm saying you're not like, <laughs> I'm Benny, I fucking like, I'm a sick drummer. Like, by the way, I like did some, like, I feel like you're always sort of like trying to like play it off. Like, yeah, whatever. It's cool. I think I'd only feel comfortable 
touting anything if it was fake, if it was funny and if it was like made up. But I'm the same as you. I want to like work really hard and someone to see that video and go like, oh, okay, that guy did like a good job. Right. And he didn't fuck up. Right. While he was like playing behind Bruce Springsteen. But at the same token, I realized the very interesting nature of my life as a drummer, which is different. Everyone thinks I'm self-deprecating, but there is a difference to being a drummer. You are not going to get the acclaim for anything you do. That's just the way it is. It's taken me a little while to swallow, but this is the way it is. Like, and I always use the same example. What's ACDC's drummer's name? No idea. No idea. That is literally like one of, or if, the biggest selling rock band in recorded music history. I just know he hates drum fills. So, and you don't even know the guy's name. No idea. I literally have no and idea. And he's what his so name is. crucial for how that band Absolutely. Sounds. Totally. But like, that's where you sit there as a drummer and you try to do that stuff. You just look like a jerk. You really do. And that's where you got to know, like, what you're dealing with at the same time. And, and this is another thing. I am a loud person and I'm an opinionated person and I talk a lot and I have my whole fucking life. It's just the way it's been. And I have realized that a guy like that who dresses flashy, talks flashy and does all that shit and touts himself up comes across like a fucking asshole. Arrogant, doesn't see the other side and things like that. I like to be a person who's like comfortable in my station. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm comfortable being the ominous, sweaty, stoned guy behind Brian Fallon and Bruce Springsteen, who maybe some super fans are going to like bother to learn my name and what my life is all about, but probably not most, you know? And that's just the nature of it. What am I supposed to do about that? Right. If I create this crazy alter ego saying I do this and this and this at night, people have already covered that for me. There's been John Bonham. There's been Tommy Lee. There's been Keith Moon. There's been like the drummers who have tried to like, who who got, you know, transcended drumming a little and they got past that and they were their own little mini celebrities, Travis Barker and guys like that. But the things those guys had to do to do that, I'm not willing to do. Right. You know? But you have so much other shit going on. I mean, you have a family. You have... I mean, I'm sure you'd rather hang out with your family than, like, impress some kid at Guitar Center with, like, some stick twirl or whatever. You know, it's an odd part about my life right now, but it's something I think about. It really is. It's what we were just talking about at dinner is, like... It upsets me that I don't find enough validation in that. It upsets me that I feel the need to start something creatively to give me that validation for my own life when I've created so much else and I'm working so hard on something else. But without that validation of random people, I do feel like something's missing. And I don't know if I've had it for X amount of time that I got used to it or something like that. Right. But I can't sit here and admit that the yearning for the validation of random people hasn't like literally fueled half of my fucking life. Sure. It has. And anyone in a band who says it hasn't is either a completely legitimate and artistic person 
or they're totally lying out of their assholes, you know? And like, probably somewhere in the middle. Maybe, probably. And I'm the same. I love music. I love creating music. I love playing drums, and I love playing drums in bands and creating songs with other people. Even if I never got validation for it again, it's something I'll always do, right? Right. I'll play in a fucking band with a bunch of dudes who play a pool hall once a month if I get to practice with people and play music and do that. That's always going to be a part of it. But that separation of doing that for just purely love and the other side of doing it for money and validation, it's an odd thing. I think it's an odd thing that a lot of, not even just musicians, deal with, right? Totally, but I think that, I mean, I don't think you should feel like insecure about that like i think it's natural for everyone to sort of yearn for validation like that not, not necessarily to be like their number one goal but it's, it's nice when someone says hey this thing you put all this work into i like sure and it's even nicer when someone you're not related to right right, right. <laughs> but i wish that the idea that i'm just being a good husband and father gave me the same amount of validation it I'm- makes me feel a little fickle that it doesn't you know, I mean, maybe it does. It's just in a different way. Like you're not getting strangers coming up to you being like, "You tucked your kid in super well last night," or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, I but mean, is I'm, that just ego, though? I think probably a little bit. A little but, bit. But I also think that that's that's okay. Like, I mean, I think it's like we act like ego and all these things are like so negative and stuff, and it's like they can be, but it's like it's also like just the human condition. If you right. can kind of like keep that stuff in check and like recognize like you are that it maybe it is a little ego and not let that kind of like run your life like that's fine it's all right just part of it it's just part of it yeah that's true it is true it's an interesting thing it really is it's an interesting crux to be at and it's a crux i asked for you know which is an interesting part of it when i was sitting there a couple months ago going wow everyone's working but me like what's going on what what is this this is hard you know, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I asked for all of this. I wanted the break. Right. You know what I mean? I want my friends to continue making music while this is happening. Right. I want them to work. I wanted to have a child. I wanted to live in my house with this child and take care of it. I wanted all of these things. And I have to constantly remind myself that this is what I wanted because of this weird feeling of insecurity and sensitivity that comes up, you know? I will say this. I guarantee... That if you didn't have his wife and child, Gaslight was touring, you would be like, oh, I wish I had a family. <laughs> I guarantee it. I think 100%. It, so, I mean, 100%. I, think I sat important. there the other night. I watched, I saw all the guys, right? And I basically follow what those dudes are doing right now on like Instagram and texting them a little when they're out on the road. And I saw that they were all stuck in the side of the highway in Colorado. Blizzard happened, bus got stuck, they missed the show. I knew that they came from another state and they were going to Denver, which meant they probably got rid of all their weed and were waiting to get to Denver to get more, which right. was exactly the case. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I'm like, I miss this, but I'm imagining myself on the side of the highway, stuck. No weed. Nothing going on. No weed. So close to edibles everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> like, like. 10, 11 people stuck on this bus, you know, in the middle of a snowstorm right. with nothing and this and that. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to be there. I want to be home. I want to take my hot shower in the morning and I want to like 
feed my kid and I want to like do this stuff, like everything I asked for, you know, everything I asked to do. But I got, you know, I got to be honest, Jonah, and I'm, I'm two tall boys deep. It's probably the only reason I'm talking about it on a microphone, <laughs> but it's a constant back and forth with me right now. It is. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. You know, I woke up from this, this bizarre tornado with a whole new set of things to deal with and settle into. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It really is. Well, I also think it's like, how old are you? 35. Yeah. So I'm 36. I think it's just like, it's a weird age. Mm-hmm. And it's just a weird time in general with technology. Like, I just think it's like, I feel like if you were like, I got everything figured out, I got a grasp on this and this and this, I know, like, that to me would be weirder. Right. Because, like, no one knows. Like, no one knows the etiquette. No one knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, everything just feels very, like, unknown. And I, I don't know. Like, it's not necessarily bad. But I think, like, everyone's just sort of trying to figure things out, I guess. Are you just seeing the world through your own experience? Probably, but I feel like I talk to you, I talk to my other friends, and I feel like, I feel like sort of everyone is like, yeah, for the most part, and if they're not, like, they're probably like, I don't know, I think everyone like lies like awake at night once in a while and is just like, what am I doing, what's going on? You know what, I don't, Jonah. You don't? No. I know like a lot of people who are like just totally fine with what they do. I do, I really but, do. I know a lot of guys like I grew up with who just like... They're like, yo, I got this job, I got this house, I got these kids, this is what I do. I'm straight. Right. I'm straight. This is what I do. Their scope isn't that big, and it doesn't need to be. They found their niche, and they're completely happy in it. That's something wrong with me, the fact that I actually got through the fact and worked my ass off and got my lifelong dream, literally my lifelong dream. Everything I was waiting for actually happened to me. And then you sit there and go, I want more. That's a personal thing. I don't know, man. I think probably those people are happy, but I'm sure they have days where like their boss is an asshole. They come home, they fight with their wife. They like, like, I wish I could just like go out with my buddies or I wish I could just like play drums or I don't know. I mean, I think maybe you're, uh, come into me. (laughs) Let's do it. I just think it's sort of what I said earlier. I think you're just idealizing like like what sort of the alternative. But I feel like if you had that alternative, you would probably want what you were doing. That's why you're doing it. Right. That is And I think it would true. also be weird if you like didn't feel that way. Like if you were like, I feel totally validated. I don't you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's good that you feel that way. I think that's totally healthy. Okay. I don't think you should look at it as like the shortcoming. No? No, not at all. Hmm. Okay. I like that. I think if you, you work hard at something, you do it your whole life, and you're not doing it as much, like, of course you're going to miss it. Yeah. I don't think that makes you, like, like a bad person or, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, like, <laughs> I, th- I think you're doing a great job, Benny. That's Thanks, all I got to say. You're welcome. Thanks. Wow. That was a really interesting episode. Don't you think so? <laughs> I do. You're so far away from the mic. Oh, oh, we're, we're still you, going. We're like, oh yeah, yeah. What yeah. do we this, do? Oh, this we're is the doing. Outro. This is the outro. Yes. Oh, you're so fucking pro. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even know so what was just, happening. Just act like we like. So we just, just ended. Just finished. We never got up. No, we're no, just no. Sitting here. We, I didn't get another beer. Cool. I didn't. We didn't both go to the bathroom. See, I like this. I feel like we're doing like the Mel Brooks movie thing of podcast right now. Like we're doing what we're supposed to do, but we're lifting the veil. 
right, of how people actually do this. Sort of like a podcast within a podcast. Yeah. If you We will. got up. Listen, we got up. We urinated. We went into the bathroom. We discussed the graffiti we saw in the bathroom. Um, yep. We we did a couple things. You cracked another tall boy. I did. I didn't because I have to drive back to New Jersey. Yes. But yeah, that is what happened. It's almost like in Spaceballs when they're having the uh, lightsaber fight and the producer, uh, what was he got cut off? Have you seen Spaceballs recently? Not in a really long time. Uh, well, Mel Brooks always did that, right? Like he would show like all of a sudden the director would show up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Be like. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I think I feel like that's what we're doing. And yeah. since we're both kind of Jewy, then that works. Yeah. We're basically the Mel Brooks of podcasting. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. With like just not nearly as like accomplished or good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. We yeah. <laughs> um What's your favorite Mel Brooks movie? I don't know. What's yours? Probably Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I guess I'm not like I have to be. Honest, I'm not like a huge Mel Brooks. I guy. do love. I love Spaceballs. Yeah, and I love Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay, I mean they're just so funny. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. They're ridiculous. I like ridiculous films. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, but uh, do you think Mel Brooks could do movies like like if Blazing Saddles came out right now? Very controversial, right? I don't think you can make that movie now. Nah, you probably couldn't too sensitive yeah people are very sensitive these days benny i am too though i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh if that movie came out i'd be totally cool with it i'd probably be like one of those dudes who's like nope this is (laughs) offensive we're living in a new age we're progressive this is bullshit yeah you probably would be that way i would be that i'd I'd almost assuredly be that way (laughs) so fuck me you know yeah can't win no you can't win it's true you know when you win in this world jonah What's that? When you just throw your goddamn hands in the air yeah. and you go, I don't fucking know anymore. It's true. That's when you win. When you just stop caring. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I have nailed it. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, leave us a positive comment on iTunes, goingofftrack.com. No, iTunes isn't goingofftrack.com. Leave us a positive comment on iTunes or go to goingofftrack.com. You can donate a um, dollar, $4, $4.20. Any amount you want um, to help us pay for our PayPal um, costs. Or you can just tweet at us. You can just write something nice about us. You can, uh, yeah, buy a bottom feeder record. You can do anything. New one coming out. New one coming out. When's oh, that yeah. dropping? I think May. May. New 10-inch. Keep an eye out for that 10-inch. It's going to be hot. <laughs> um, and uh, She's going to be hot, fam. Yeah, it's going to be very hot. So, um you may want to get some SBF 100 if you're going to rock that new bottom feeder. <laughs> right? You know what I just realized? What? You did not make like one pun in this like whole... I did. There was like one. I think there were two. That's a low count. It is a low count. What do you... Or do you... When you crack a beer, do puns go away? No, I was just actually like very engaged in this conversation, <laughs> I think, which apparently is not always how I am. Oh, so when puns are going, are we led to believe that it's because when, you're I, a little I, lost and you're trying to come up with a pun when over puns there? are going it's about 10 percent of my brain is going like okay. what saves a day in fishing that rhymes like <laughs> like literally at all at all moments it's like 10 15 percent of that i'm not paying attention to what someone's right. saying i'm just thinking 
I wonder physiologically, like, which cortex handles puns. Well, people can also tell, like, my sister, people around me a lot, because, like, they'll be talking to me and I'll just start smiling. And they're like, what? Oh, they're like, I know, you're, I know you're saving it for when I stop talking. <laughs> like, it's so, I can't, like, hold it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you wear it on your mouth. Yeah, I can't help it, dude. Hey, listen, I, I know I've, I've tweeted at you before asking if puns were Jonah Bayer approved. Yes. Because I do consider you the pun man. And speaking of which, I've got a new um, installment of Up the Puns. Ooh. My pun-based music column dropping on Noisy soon. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got a bunch of them. So I think that will probably come out uh, later this month. Highly entertaining if you yeah, haven't seen it. installment number three. So keep an eye out for that. Um, thanks to Benny for coming by. Thanks to Jonah for being such a wonderfully adaptive character. Of course. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week. Thanks. Cool. Bye.